You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to another show of Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so delighted that you are here with me today. Okay, we are coming up on Christmas and the new year. Looking backwards, boy, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of hesitancy because We all shifted out of the norm and became involved one way or another in this COVID thingy. Now, truthfully, today I'm even more confused as to what COVID is than ever before, especially because the CDC is stating that there is another new variant. So, okay, it's time to shift our thinking a bit more and bring it back to the law of attraction you know many years ago my wonderful husband was given a diagnosis of cancer he was truly the love of my life and the fear overcame both of us until a man gave us a little book called as a man thinketh this was in the early 1980s and basically it was all about how the unknowing subject of the law of attraction was so important. First of all, if you are listening right now, you are a law of attraction follower. We believe in the power of the mind. When we get into a mindset, our vibration changes and this vibrational change has the power over anything around us. We do create matter out of our thought processes. So this is the very reason that right now we need to stay diligent in our thought process to create that which we want. As an example, if you want to buy a new car and you make a determination of maybe one or two cars and the color of the car that you want, And then all of a sudden you start noticing all these cars popping up right before your eyes just driving around and you stop and think well wait why am I seeing all these cars right now that I didn't see before but these are the ones that I want to see more of and see if I can fit into this kind of car because you have adjusted your mindset to gather more information about that which you want to create. The same is true when every time you listen to a show of of Law of Attraction Radio Network, you are trying to adjust your mind to bring in that which you want. And that is why you are listening. This radio network has become a way for your mind to stay tuned in to your magnificent ability to create that which you want. This also works the same with your health. So let's talk about COVID. If you believe you are in danger of getting COVID, then the chances are you will get it. If you believe you are more powerful than COVID, 
then the fear goes away and your vibration rises beyond the manifestation of allowing COVID to affect your health. You see, your vibration is the manager of your manifestation via our thoughts. Does this mean you won't get COVID? Well, no, it doesn't. But if you're fearful of COVID, then you are on a lower vibrational scale and that's what makes you susceptible to getting COVID as well as influencing the severity of it. If you're not fearful of it, your vibration is higher and even if you get it, you can skate right by it easily. I've been reading reports from some health officials who do not understand the vibrational well-being of the body and want to incite fear to make you take it more seriously. And they imply the urgency to run out and get that third jab, which could cause you more issues, especially heart issues. But we students of the Law of Attraction understand the process of our mind. We do not choose to develop COVID at all. And if we do get it, well, then we simply treat it as the common flu. After all, the COVID bug helps you to develop the antibodies that will keep you safe. So getting COVID is not a terrible thing. It's actually quite good for you because you're developing that which prevents a dangerous situation. As I have stated, I am unvaccinated and I believe my vibrational well-being is more important for my health. One of the reasons why I'm confident is because I'm taking hydroxychloroquine that I got from the frontline doctors as a preventative to keep me from getting sick. After all, I'm of the age that it could become dangerous. So if you go get a pen and a piece of paper, I want you to write down the information that I'm giving you because I want you to contact Dr. Stella Emanuel, MD, so that you can get your own prescription. Now, I take one pill per week, and that is why one prescription will last for about six months. So, pay attention here. I'm going to give you Dr. Stella's phone number, and it is area code 281-530-530. 1230 or you can send her an email via her website which is drstellamd.com that's d r s t e l l a m d.com now there's a cost of $90 or $100 to get this prescription but she will call it into your pharmacy immediately this even works if you feel like you're coming down with it, especially if you feel like something is off. Don't wait. The longer it takes for you to get the medication, the more difficult COVID will become for you physically. You need to take action immediately. This is why I opted to take one pill per week as a preventative. And if I do get it, it will lessen the symptoms dramatically. And then I have extra pills in my cabinet that I can pop immediately to speed up the healing process. 
the peace of mind that you get knowing that you are doing something to keep yourself safe is so worth the effort. I also believe that my vibrational well-being will be keeping me from getting more diseases like cancer. Again, what creates cancer? Fear. Fear creates cancer. When you get a diagnosis of cancer from a doctor, what's the first thing you feel? Fear. Guess what helps cancer to grow at a much faster rate? Your fear. It lowers your immune system. Well, just look at the similarities that we're experiencing with COVID. The powers that be really want you to be fearful of COVID, even though it has a 99% survival rate, because they want you to lower your immune system. Well, just look at the news. How many times are they talking about how deadly COVID is? A lot. And there is really no reason for it except to have control over your emotions. They want to push you into doing what they are suggesting, not what you are feeling. You are intuitive. If you tune into your body, your body is going to let you know what to do to make it better. Believe me, your body is smart if you just tune in and find out and do your research you are going to find out how incredibly powerful you are looking back over the years the medical institutions made us deathly fearful of cancer of the flu of tuberculosis of diphtheria and even polio and they managed to eradicate the very harsh diseases so that we could go through life without even thinking about them again. Those vaccines, which by the way took many, many, many years to develop, actually eradicated the disease permanently. But now COVID is the new popular disease to be fearful of via our government. And now they want you to take a third jab which means they're still experimenting on you because they don't know if it's going to work or not. If you have not discovered that there are three different vials of or bottles of vaccines that are labeled actually one, two, and three, then do your research once again because there are three different vaccines. Number one is just a saline solution. And number three is really the toxic um, solution, shall we say, that is really hurting the heart. So there's one, two, and three vials. Before you take the third jab, find out which one it is labeled. Again, do your research. So why are they doing that? Well, I don't even want to speculate. It could be for the money, but truthfully, it's probably because they want more power over you. In any case, something is going on, and my intuition is telling me that it is nefarious. But let's not stop there. If you're not taking vitamin D along with vitamin K, the question is, why? 
most people who are infected had very low levels of vitamin D. So you need to have a daily regimen and then take the vitamin C, D, and zinc. Again, do your research to get the proper dosage. It is up to you to keep your body in good shape. It's not up to anybody else. There's vitamins out there, good vitamins. You need to take on that responsibility yourself. And you will be so happy when you do not have any issues with getting COVID. Right now in Southern California, they're not mandating the mask. But I want to tell you the mask, it has been proven, is not healthy for you or your children to wear. Whether you're alone or in your office or in a place that you can be seen, take off the mask as much as you can. Breathe fresh air as God intended. Yes, wearing a mask is all a charade, but it may be worth the hassle to keep you from getting in trouble. But again, that's up to you. Truthfully, I don't know when this is going to be over. So I'm asking you to be diligent. Take complete charge of your health. Research, research, and research. The more you research, the better you will understand what your manifestation must be and how you can manifest good health and a strong, healthy body to carry you through all of this. That is how we rid ourselves of the life-threatening fear component. We take responsibility for ourselves and for our family using common everyday sense. Yes, I believe we will be returning to a new normal, but I think the lessons that we learn from this major issue is a vital clue as to how the law of attraction works. We are the master creators of our lives. If we take charge of our health, we are in much better mental condition to keep on manifesting our dreams and desires. Remember, we are extremely powerful. And many do not want you to realize that very big, big secret. You're powerful. We work in partnership with Source Energy to create the life we want. And right now it appears that we're doing a self-correction course to take back our power. Please remember how powerful you are. That is so, so important. And with that, let's take a fast commercial break. And then we're going to be right back with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is talking about how he took control of his broken back and resolved his issues to get into a marathon race. This is a great story, and you're going to love it. We'll be right back. Introducing a self-healing technology that is pioneering the era of quantum healing, Scalar Light. Try it free for 15 days. We offer a remote healing experience that is 100% safe and natural. All we need is your photograph. Some of our programs include pathogenic cleanse, chakra balancing, and nutrient therapy. Try Scalar Light free for 15 days. Visit our website to learn more at scalarlight.com.
Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. Now let's talk to a wonderful chiropractor who now travels the world helping people to adjust their minds so that their minds will heal themselves. Let's welcome the phenomenal Dr. Joe Dispenza. Welcome Dr. Joe to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, I'm very happy to be with you, Jules. Let's talk about your really, really wonderful book. And it's all about you are the placebo. So in the past, we've often heard of the placebo effect. Like if we believe an apple a day will keep the doctor away, it will. But you are suggesting something much more powerful in your book, that we are actually the placebo. So how in the world can we be the placebo? Well, let's think about this. I mean, if you give someone a sugar pill, a saline injection, or you perform some fake procedure or sham surgery, a certain percentage of those people who receive an inert substance or a a false procedure will actually accept, believe, and surrender to that condition without any analysis And they'll actually get better by taking something outside of them or receiving some external substance that mimics the exact drug. So how does that occur? If you're giving someone something that isn't really real, it's then the thought that they're getting better that actually creates the physiological change in their brain and body. So the question is, if you understand the mechanics and the scientific principles of how the placebo works, instead of the person believing in something outside of them, could they believe in the innate powers within them, and could they begin to produce the same effects by trusting their belief in themselves and the belief in possibility than in some external substance? Because it really is the thought that's actually healing them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just wonderful? So, in fact, it's not really the chemo that is healing. It is actually our own beliefs and our thoughts that is creating that perhaps instant remission. 
Uh, yeah, I think that we, 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 there may be some element in which the chemo may actually work. I'm not disregarding that. But what I'm saying is, is that the people who aren't getting the chemo are told they're given the chemo. And those people who are getting better, it's actually the inert substance isn't doing the healing. Their body is making their own pharmacy of chemicals mm. that's actually matching the exact chemical they think they're taking. So then we have our own pharmacy within us. And if we learn how to execute the proper principles and tools of how the placebo works, then we can begin to get well faster and better. Ah, uh, that's and that works just not on health, but in every area of our life. Absolutely. We've seen it. Well, it's the same principle. Uh, and, and it works with creating a life that you want. It also, create, it also is an element of creating the health that you'd like to experience. Mm. This is so exciting. So our thoughts are the placebo. Our thought is one of the key ingredients of the placebo. If you, it's, it's actually, if you think about how the placebo works, one element of how the placebo works is if you give someone something that's inert, uh, what they're really doing from a uh, mindful standpoint is that they're beginning to select the potential that exists in the quantum field called health or a vision or an idea of being well. And if they begin to experience an elevated emotion of enthusiasm or joy or excitement, when you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion, you begin to change a person's physiology because it's that emotional quotient then that comes along with the thought that begins to reprogram the autonomic nervous system. And it's the autonomic nervous system that actually does the healing. So the person, say, with Parkinson's disease or the person with chronic pain or the person with depression has not been able to change their state by saying, okay, I'm going to make more serotonin in my brain or I'm going to produce my own particular uh, anti-inflammatories to reduce my pain levels or I'm going to produce my own dopamine levels. They can't voluntarily or consciously do it. But in the placebo response, when you see a person's pain levels diminish significantly or someone with depression all of a sudden not only have changes in their mind, but when they do scans of their brain, there's changes in their brain. It's not just in their mind, it's in their brain. And they're making extra serotonin and executing different functions in, in different parts of the brain or producing their own anti-inflammatories, then it's the autonomic nervous system that does that because they can't consciously do it. So then the question is, how do we begin to get into that system? Because once we're in that system, we can drop a seed in possibility. Mm, mm, mm. You're right. Now, I'm a hypnotherapist, so I always, with uh, people who come to me with depression... I always suggest that they are naturally making and producing the perfect amount of serotonin to keep them in a happy mode. This seems to work. Sure. I mean, let's talk about just the placebo response with depression. It's a scientific fact right now that three out of four people that are given a placebo and told they're giving an antidepressant, three out of those four people actually respond as if they were given the real antidepressant. Yeah. So how does that work? I mean, even in certain cases, there have been people who have sworn that they actually received the proper medication 
and they, they went to their doctor and said, no, no, you must have this wrong. I, I, I took the real medication. I didn't take the placebo. <laughs> and so they're, they're, they're producing very significant changes because the pill that they're taking every day, Jules, is a reminder to them about a possibility of health. Wow. And so the placebo becomes a daily reminder of their health. So if you don't believe in the pill then and you say, okay, if, if I marry a clear intention with an elevated emotion, intention is a thoughtful process and an elevated emotion is a bodily process. In other words, thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. And how you think and how you feel creates a state of being then can you create a state of being every single day by just doing it without any external substance and be able to take that placebo every day by changing your state of being? The answer is absolutely yes, because if you keep regulating those states on a daily basis, just like the placebo, the autonomic nervous system begins to alter bodily functions. Wow. So we have to use some techniques to actually train our brain to produce this. Is that correct? In a way, yes. I mean, uh, the techniques that we use in the workshops, and that's in the new book, You Are the Placebo, mm -hmm. the techniques that we use, we primarily use the meditation model. Now, not in the traditional sense of sitting there and focusing on nothing or stilling your mind, but really teaching people how to alter their physiological functions by getting beyond their analytical mind. Now, why is it important to get beyond the analytical mind? Well, if you're a hypnotherapist, you know this better than anybody. Yeah. What separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind is the analytical mind. And <laughs> if you're highly analytical, then you're less suggestible. In other words, the more analytical you are, the less open you are to thoughtful suggestions. The, the less analytical you are, the more suggestible you are to possibility. So the purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind. And when you get beyond the analytical mind and you change your brainwave patterns, now you're entering into the, the programming system, the operating system, where true change can take place. So part of the skill is being able to change your internal states and regulate your brain waves. And when you do that, you're more suggestible to the thoughts that you're thinking. Now, this is also an interesting concept because in the research that we've done, for the most part, people are only suggestible to the thoughts that they think that are equal to the emotional state that they're in. A person mm -hmm. who's feeling depression or a person who's feeling unworthy will only accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to that emotional state. They'll, they'll believe in the thoughts of, uh, that are driven by the emotion of depression or unworthiness because it's those emotional states that activate certain circuits neurologically in the brain, which then produces more emotions to feel depressed or unworthy, which then creates more thoughts, and we get caught in these loops. By the same means, if a person is in a state of gratitude, if a person is in a state of inspiration, they're more prone to accept the thoughts equal to those emotional states. Mm -hmm. And the antithesis is also true. A person who's depressed cannot accept the thoughts of abundance, cannot accept the thoughts of possibility, because those thoughts aren't equal to the emotional state. So teaching people how to begin to open their heart and begin to teach them how to, to change their emotional states then 
allows them to capture streams of consciousness or create future visions that are equal to that emotional state. And the word meditation literally means to become familiar with. So as we begin to practice this every single day, we fire and wire the networks of neurons that create a new level of mind. And if you're able to reproduce that same level of mind every day, it'll begin to become familiar to you. And if you're able to cultivate the emotional state of joy or inspiration or gratitude before the event has occurred, then you're more prone to condition your body to begin to believe that that future reality is happening to you in the present moment and your body is the unconscious mind will begin to believe it's in that future reality and you'll begin to signal new genes in new ways. Now, the key then is that elevated emotion then becomes the catalyst. So most people will wait for their, you know, their wealth to show up to feel abundant or uh-huh. right. their, their healing to occur to feel wholeness and vitality or their, their new relationship to show up to feel love or uh, a mystical experience to feel awe or to become successful, to feel empowered. Well, that's the old model of reality, of cause and effect. You know, waiting for something outside of us to change how we feel inside of us. And when we can correlate the change that we feel inside of us to whatever caused it or whoever caused it outside of us, that event in and of itself is a memory. We begin to become more dependent on that external substance. But the quantum model of reality, this model, is saying we want to cause and effect. So then... You have to then begin to feel abundant before the experience actually occurs and to teach your body emotionally what that future event is going to feel like, to to begin to feel love before your relationship, to feel empowered before your success, to feel wholeness before you're healed. And that's the exact ingredient that allows a person then to reach that state where their body is beginning to experience that future reality in the present moment and they're really turning on new genes for health and and the immune system for growth and turning off the genes that have to do with the stress response and and the inflammation. Oh, my goodness. You are just specifying and confirming everything about the law of attraction. What you are speaking of is the law of attraction. Yeah, well, it's a principle that, that you can call it the law of attraction. You can call it the quantum model of reality. But this is where people actually get stuck with the law of attraction because I have answered thousands of questions about this in seminars and conferences. And people really want to wait for their wealth to show up and they're mm. frustrated because their wealth hasn't showed up. And, and I always say to them, well, here's a great example. I was in Los Angeles and I'm getting ready to start a talk and this woman comes marching up to me and says, how come I'm not living in Santa Fe, New Mexico? And I just took a look at her and I said, because the personality who's living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, looks nothing like that. <laughs> the truth is that if you're busy being it, you, you don't, you can't, the moment you start analyzing why it hasn't happened, you just return back to the old self. The new self would never think that way. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. I love how you put that. It's so simplistic the way you said it and it, it, it just makes so much sense. So let's go with the overall health again. And are you saying then that if we have aches and pains in our body, say a lower back ache or, or a neck ache or something like that, is that a hint 
as to what is going on emotionally in our body? Well, I would say that the majority of the time, if there hasn't been some physical trauma, like you haven't been hit by a car, you didn't lift up, a, <laughs> you lift up a, you know, a, a huge barrel and put it in the back of your truck. But if you are all of a sudden starting to experience, let's just say neck pain. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, "Oh, I have neck pain. I think I slept wrong." And I say to them, "Really? Um, are you sleeping with a new pillow? No." Are you in a new bed? No. Are you sleeping with somebody new? No. Okay, well, what have you been doing for the last three months? Well, I filed bankruptcy, <laughs> bitches for a living. My mother's in the hospital with cancer. Um, I'm getting a divorce. Oh, yeah, yeah, you slept wrong. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, if you look at a person's emotional state. Now, let's talk about what we're talking about here because... I'm talking about the stress hormones of survival. Right. When we react to something or someone in our life, stress, by the way, is when your body's knocked out of homeostasis. The stress response is what your body innately does to return itself back to order. So we have different types of stress. We have physical stress like trauma, injuries, accidents. We have chemical stress like viruses and bacteria and heavy metals and food and, and uh, hangovers and blood sugar levels. And we have... We have emotional stress like traffic jams and internet connections and second mortgages and single parenting and family tragedies. And all of those things knock the brain and body out of balance. Now, all organisms in nature can tolerate short-term stress. Zebra gets chased by the lion. The zebra outruns the lion. Fifteen minutes later, it goes back to uh, grazing, and the event is over. But when the zebra perceives a threat, that, the, uh, that there's a predator the zebra turns on that fight-or-flight nervous system, and the purpose of that nervous system is to mobilize enormous amounts of energy for some threat in their external environment. If you, get, if you get cut off on the freeway, you jam on your brakes, that's a stress response. And more than likely, most integrated people, about 30 minutes later, can get back to a balance again. The problem is, is when we turn on the stress response and we can't turn it off, now the body begins to break down because no organism in nature can tolerate the effects of long-term stress. Right. You can't live in emergency mode for extended period of time because if you do and you keep mobilizing all of that energy for a threat in your external environment, there's no energy in your internal environment for growth and repair. So then the body begins to break down. So then the problem with human beings is that we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems. We can imagine some future worst-case scenario. We can remember some past event. And we can knock our body out of physiological balance just by thinking certain ways. So then when we turn on that effect and the body's living in emergency mode, then it is our own thoughts then that begin to make us sick because the hormones of stress long-term dysregulate and downregulate genes that create disease. So in the example of someone who has neck pain or back pain, I would suggest to them if there was no trauma, that more than likely that person is out of balance and they're mobilizing a lot of adrenaline, but there's no predator around the corner. There's no angry tribe that's getting ready to attack. They're actually turning on that response and their body is believing that there's some type of external threat. And if you keep activating that particular set of chemicals, 
then the adrenals are putting out liquid energy. And if you're not fighting and you're not running, that liquid energy makes its way into the tissues and hardens tissues. Mm. And really, it causes physical contraction in the body. So I think that uh, the research shows that 9 out of 10 people that walk into a healthcare facility in the Western world walk in there because of psychological or emotional stress disorder. Wow. Wow. And when people start feeling the stress, that's when they need to start doing the meditation that's in their book, in your book to show people how they can get back into harmony. Yeah, let's talk about that, too, because this is kind of a funny thing. The, the hormones of stress are highly addictive. Mm. It's, they're, they're like a triple cappuccino. You know, they are they're liquid energy that wake the brain and body up short term. So we get a rush of adrenaline and we feel alive. So we begin to associate the problems and conditions in our life to reaffirm our emotional addiction to remember who we think we are as a somebody, you know, the bad relationship, the, the bad job, all of that is to reaffirm that emotion so that we can keep feeling something because, God forbid, we don't feel anything. So now if you can turn on a stress response by thought alone and those chemicals are addictive, we become addicted to our own thoughts. So in that situation, we put all of our attention on our external environment. Why? Because there's a predator out there. There's a stress out there. And you've got to heighten your senses to pay attention. So then the idea of going within and closing your eyes, for most people who are addicted, it doesn't feel right because why would you close your eyes? There's something out there that could be potentially dangerous because that's where your attention is. But if you're able to then dissociate from your external environment, if you're able to get beyond the addictions and habituations of your body and for a moment lose track of time, over and over again we see that people's brains begin to recalibrate and their body moves back to homeostasis. So the inward process then is a retreat from your life long enough to change your internal states and shorten the, res uh, the stress response and that's called emotional intelligence and meditation and the, and the work that we do and even the, even the meditation in the You Are the Placebo is a great way for people to regulate those states. You know what I loved about your book, too, is that you actually give a section that if people want to record it for themselves, I think that was very cool because it really gets allows someone to, to experience what exactly you are saying. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you hear your voice long enough, it becomes the new voice in your head. <laughs> <laughs> funny to look at it like that but that is um so important what what is science saying about placebo are they still poo-pooing it or is it now becoming recognized in the medical field well no i think most medical physicians will will give a certain credence to the placebo response and i think that uh, they they're hopeful about that because the research shows when a doctor's enthusiastic, for example, uh, about a new medication and she prescribes that medication, uh, patients will respond better. If the doctor has a command of the space and is very confident in what they're doing and they're considered an expert, that person will accept, believe, and surrender to the doctor's expertise without any analysis. Right. But when you start looking at pharmaceutical companies, they don't really like the idea of the placebo too much because uh, they won't publish some of the studies that have to do with the, 
the effects of the placebo because it's almost too much. It makes the drug look not as effective. <laughs> That's so, right. And they lose they lose profits from it. So so um, so you know it's a, I think it's a real thing at this point. There's double blind and triple blind studies now because the power of the mind is that important. They know the placebo works really well with pain. They know it works well with certain uh, um, immune mediated conditions. Uh, but I'm pushing the envelope of it because I think that once you understand the mechanics and you can really teach people how to do it, you can begin to. Uh, make very significant changes in their health and in their life. I agree. And if I'm not a big believer in pharmaceuticals because I see that sometimes the symptoms of a pill is often worse than the what they're trying to correct. I, to me, it would be worthwhile for the pharmaceuticals to go ahead and charge and then make them sugar pills. <laughs> well, you know, as I say in the introduction of my book, I really don't want to get into the ethics behind that because I'm certain 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 people who don't respond to the placebo would say I needed the real medication. So it creates yeah. a huge, huge liability issue. So um, it, it becomes challenging. But here's the key. I mean, this is what I tell people. You know, the important aspect of all of this is to, to is not denial. Like if you're diagnosed with a condition, that doesn't mean you shouldn't look at the, the fact that you have the condition. You, you have to look at the condition. You have to get measurements. And then you have to go about your journey in creating, look, if there's three types of stress, physical, chemical, and emotional, then there's three types of balance, physical, chemical, and emotional. And you may have to create a regime for yourself by doing your inward work and changing your internal states. And you may want to you know, consume less food, I don't know, for more chemical balance, so more energy goes for growth and repair. You may want to, you know, retreat from your life for a week so you're not reacting to the same people in the same way. You, you know, you may want to, um, you know, do uh, some physical exercise to help create more balance. And so, and if, you, and if you're, you know, if you're doing the process, and we tell our, we have a lot of students that have healed themselves of all kinds of things, but we tell them to be prudent and to be wise. And three months later, take a measurement. And if that measurement shows you're getting better, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. But if the measurement shows you're not getting better, then we've got to go back and we've got to begin to make some other choices. And that's called science, and it's practical in that way. Okay, so you're saying it takes the triangle to really bring balance back into your life and we need to look at all three areas to bring balance in. I love that. I love that. What are um, some of the uh, things that you've seen that are really amazing about perhaps individual case histories? Oh, gosh, I can talk for hours about this. I'll tell you a story of a woman that I just, uh, well, I just came back from Amsterdam. And, and I was in Barcelona uh, couple months ago when I was walking off the stage and this woman came up to me and handed me an envelope and we were on a break and I went into the green room and I read it and the uh, story goes something like this. This woman was, uh, well, is a, uh, a psychotherapist and um, very intelligent lady and she was living her life and uh, she has two children and she was in the shower one Sunday morning and her husband said goodbye to the children, never said goodbye to her. Uh, went to the tallest building in Amsterdam and jumped off the building and committed suicide. Ooh. Now, that's a very stressful situation. 
and the hormones of stress began to turn on and she was shocked and she was angry and she was saddened and she was victimized and she was resentful and frustrated and the refractory period of those hormones right the hormones of stress because every time she thought about the event she was producing the same chemistry in her brain and body jewels as if the event was happening and the body is the unconscious mind was being programmed into the past because emotions are the record of the past. So, over time, the more she talked about it to other people and the more people in her life treated her a certain way, then she was reaffirming a certain personality, a certain identity. And the, the emotional reaction lasted for hours and days and it turned into a mood and then it started lasting for weeks or months and it turned into a temperament. And now she had one long emotional reaction that was going on from some event that happened, say, five, six months ago. The effects of that was producing the stress hormones, and her body was living in emergency mode. And as you know, as we said, no organism can tolerate those type of effects. And the strong chemicals were so addictive that she couldn't think greater than how she felt. In other words, feelings became the means of thinking, and for the most part, if you're thinking equal to how you feel, you can only think in the past. So her mind was wrapped around that event. In a very short amount of time, she developed a, what the doctors called neuritis because one morning she woke up and she couldn't move. She couldn't get out of bed. She couldn't move her legs. She couldn't move her waist. She had no movement in her uh, 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 from the waist down. Wow. And um, so they rush her to the hospital. They do all these tests. They can't find anything wrong with her. But for the most part, they call it neuritis, which means you have inflammation of your nerves. But let's think about this. Your body's your unconscious mind, and if you're living by those heightened emotions, of course the body is going to be strained because it's going to believe it's in the past, and it's facing the same conditions 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. The body's reliving the event every single day. So imagine living a suicide or a shocking event like that every single day, the body sooner or later is going to quit. It's going to be in extreme pain. So <clears throat> they don't know how to treat her, so they, they send her home. And uh, a few months later now, the stress response now is going on for about a year. She starts developing very large uh, lesions, uh, ulcerations in all the mucous membranes of her body, in her mouth, in her esophagus, mm -hmm. in her vagina, in her anus, in her bladder. These huge scabs, these huge ulcerations, bigger than a quarter. So now she can't eat. Now the stress is getting more because she can't work. She lost her job. Now she has no money. She can't take care of her two children. Her mother's taking care of her and supporting her. And she can't move now. And now she's got all these ulcerations. And now she's in more stress. In a very short amount of time, she develops esophageal cancer. Now the lesions turn into cancer. So now she's got a very serious health condition, and she thinks, you know, that her life is about to end. So she came to a workshop that we had done uh, a year, about a year and a half ago in Holland, and I remember when she showed up because she was on crutches, and they were, they were bringing her in, and um, she started to understand the concepts that we were talking about, and, and she understood that it was, it was her emotions that really, the mismanagement of her emotions that began to really activate the genes in the wrong way that created her diseases. And so she started doing the meditation. She started taking the placebo every day. And she made a deal with herself that she was not going to get up from her meditations until she was in love with life. 
Now, here's the key. The key is she had no reason to be in love with life. She had no job. She lost her husband. She couldn't take care of her kids. She was sick. She had no reason to be in love with life, but she made a deal with herself that she was going to get beyond her emotional body, get beyond her emotional self, and every single day she was going to get up from her meditations or finish her meditation in the state of joy for existence. So she left uh, that event and practiced her meditations, and then she came to a, a more advanced progressive workshop in New York. She flew in. And that particular group, I pushed them past where they normally would go because I believe that right on the other side of her anger is joy. Right on the other side of her resentment is freedom. Right on the other side of her fear is really courage. And when we push people beyond that particular state, that's when we do the uncommon. So I pushed this group, and she had a breakthrough in that event, and she actually saw very clearly in her mind, like she had a vision. She didn't create the vision. The vision happened to her. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but she had this vision that she would be standing in front of an audience telling a story about her healing. So she went home, and she continued practicing every single day. She never missed a day for another nine months or so or ten months. Every day, taking the placebo in changing her state of being with a clear intention and an elevated emotion, signaling the gene over and over again. In other words, the amplitude of the event that created the disease, the suicide, was such a strong amplitude of emotion, of energy, that she either had to create an amplitude of energy that was greater than that experience internally, or she had to consistently knock on the genetic door until she finally reprogrammed the gene. So... She came to that event in Barcelona, <clears throat> and she was cancer-free. Wow. She had no ulcerations any longer in any of her mucous membranes. She had the scope done just a few days before she came. And she had no pain in her body, no neuritis. Of course, she's working again as with a new job doing psychotherapy, of course, from a very different point of view. And she said, and I'm married and I have a new husband, and I'm in love with him, and my life is so amazing. I'm in love with my life. And I said to her, you get to be in love with your life because every day you created from the place of being in love with your life. Wow. <laughs> wow. How profound. So that's just one story, but, uh, you know, there's many, many people that have done the same thing. Give us another story. That is amazing. <laughs> I love it. That really tells everyone exactly how important this subject is and how important your book is. So give us another uh, case history. Sure. Uh, here's another one off the top of my head. We had a woman after I did What the Bleep, uh, I did the movie What the Bleep, I was in a, a retreat center in New York and I was about ready to, to do a, a little workshop. And this woman came and sat at my dinner table as I, just before I was going to start the event and she was in a walker and um, she was a young woman, you know, probably in her early 30s and, uh, you know, healthy looking. Uh, and she kind of confronted me and said, I have a very serious bone disease. And um, the doctors told me I will never be able to change this and I'm going to be living like this the rest of my life. And I want to know if you can help me. And I said, well, uh, theoretically, it's possible to turn that around. I said, but listen, 
genetic conditions that are early onset are a little bit more hardwired than ones that we accumulate later on in life through lifestyle and behaviors, but it's possible. So I showed up at another retreat center in the Bahamas, and there she was again with her walker, and uh, came and listened to me speak. I was speaking in the evenings every night, and she wound up coming to one of our workshops and really started to embrace the concepts. Now, this woman, uh, when she was a child, had an abusive father, and her father was very violent, and he was physically uh, uh, um, abusive with his children. And so a lot of the children lived in a constant state of vigilance and fear. And when children are young, their brainwave patterns, from a brainwave standpoint, they spend the first six years of their life in delta and theta, which means their subconscious mind is completely open to information. So from the age of 6 to 12, our brainwaves are in alpha, and we're in that imaginary world, and we're highly impressionable. So she had some very strong experiences that branded her emotionally, that made her vulnerable, that made her feel weak, that made her feel fear, and for the most part, and to, to try to control her life. And as she got a little older in her adolescence, she developed a condition called polycystic fibrodysplasia. Now, that's a genetic condition, and what happens in that condition is that the protein scaffolding of the bones tends to break down. Now, cells make proteins. Your body's a protein-producing machine. In order for a cell to make a protein, a gene has to be turned on. So in some way the wrong gene was switched on that began to create weakness and vulnerability in her bones. And so when she was a teenager, she limped around for a year thinking she had some type of injury, only to find out that her femoral head had been fractured because the protein in the bone was so weak that it couldn't support her body weight. Over the course of the next several years, she had 17, 12 or 17 fractures in that femur. Wow. And the doctors told her, look, we have to put a pin in there, put a pin in there. She had all these different opinions and some of the greatest surgeons and specialists in New York. They told her that, that the pin in there would help to stabilize the fractures. But one specialist said, if you put that pin in there, it's going to create stability in the area of the fracture, but the area below is going to break because it's going to just move. So she went for years needing special attention she needed her own uh, 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 specific care. She walked around either in a walker or a wheelchair or with uh, crutches. And the smallest weight on her leg was enough to fracture her bone. So she tried all types of nutritional therapies. She tried all different types of uh, pharmaceuticals. She even tried to push through it. And, of course, none of that worked. And so she started doing the workshops with us and for a year uh, she was in the dark night of the soul because uh, she had to really get beyond her identity that was connected to that disease. Of course, if you need special attention and you're, you're a young attractive woman, it doesn't look like anything's wrong with you. Not a lot of people believe you and of course she was always trying to control her reality because of that. Somewhere about a year or so ago she started to break through and I started to notice now that she wasn't so frustrated and so angry, that she was kind of a little bit of a skip in her step, and she was interacting with other people. And I saw one day that she was walking with a cane, 
And then three months later, she came to another event, and I saw that she wasn't walking with any cane. And so um, she went to the doctor, and they did a, they did a uh, X-ray and a scan of her femur where all those fractures existed. And the first time they did the scan, they said more than 50% of any evidence of ever having a fracture in your leg has been removed. It doesn't even look like you've ever had a fracture in there. Well, that went on, and she went back for another scan, and then, of course, they said, wow, it doesn't look like you've ever had a fracture in your femur. It looks com- doesn't look like there's ever been a break in there. Now, she started to signal the new genes, and the body started making new proteins, and she got quite a significant amount of repair in there. And she came to an advanced workshop, Jules, and just before the advanced workshop, she went to her doctor, and the enzyme for the disease was very elevated. So the doctor said, look, you're... The disease is coming back, and um, you need all these types of therapies, and be careful, and you know you're going to get sick again. And she, you know, it was really shocking to her. And she came up to me and she said, "I don't understand how this could possibly be. I thought I was better." And I said, "Listen, your body lives in the past. It's still got to catch up. Just keep going, keep going, keep going." And It took her a few months to kind of get centered again, but she started again and she started doing her meditations and she did it with a lot of passion. And now here's the key element. She reached such a point for herself where she had gotten beyond so many layers of her emotions that were really activated when she was young, way back in deep in the subconscious. She got to a point where she was so happy with herself. She was so whole with who she was. She was so, you know, thankful in the state of gratitude Mm -hmm. of her own personal transformation that she was really happy for no reason, that she didn't even really care if she had the disease any longer. So she went to Mount Sinai Hospital for her value for her blood test and urine test. She walked in there. She was just thankful. She didn't even really care. She peed in the cup. She had her dr- a blood drawn. And uh, two weeks later, they called her up and said, you are completely normal. There's no evidence of this genetic disease existing for you any longer. Wow. Now, if you talk to this woman today, she's beautiful. She's well-adjusted. She has great relationships. She's walking now unencumbered in any way. And I said to her, I said, what have you learned from your disease? Now, if you don't overcome something, of course, it's the, it's the burden that you carry. But if you overcome it, then it becomes your greatest teacher. And she said, my disease, that condition, was my greatest teacher. It taught me so much about myself. And there were days that she didn't feel like doing her meditations. There were days that she doubted that she would make a difference. There were days that she felt unworthy, and there were days that she didn't think that she'd ever get any better, but she continued doing it in spite of it. And that then creates this state, what I call self-love. Because when you choose yourself every single day like that enough times, the side effect of that is you begin to break free from the chains of those emotional addictions that keep you anchored to the past. When that occurs, the body settles into the present moment. And when we're whole in the present moment and connected to some future, that's when the event finds us. Wow. That is so wonderful. I love this. Now, can, can your body, through your mind, 
stimulate existing stem cells to get you in a healthier mode or to actually rejuvenate you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Stem cells are just potentials. They're clay. They're waiting to be molded. A stem cell can turn into a muscle cell. It can turn into an immune cell. It can turn into a nerve cell. And it can take on the morphogenesis of that particular cell. It can mutate into that cell to then begin to create healthy balance. We had a person that came to our event uh, in, in February, and he's battling cancer, and he should have been dead years ago, and he's still continuing on. And he walked in, uh, before he left for his event, he had a blood cell count taken, and his blood cell count, white blood cell count, was zero. And his doctor said to him, do not get on that plane to fly to Phoenix, because if you get an infection, you have no white blood cells to combat that uh, internal uh, infection. Well, he came to the event. He went through four days of our training, and he really fell in love with himself and fell in love with his life and really saw possibility. And he walked back into that doctor's office six days later, and he had 40,000 white blood cells. Oh, my goodness. The doctor just about fell off the chair, and he said, what happened? He said, listen, uh, I moved into an elevated state of being, and I activated stem cells to morph into white blood cells. And in a state of growth and repair, I'm flourishing now, and my body's responding to my mind. Now, what's the doctor going to say to him? No, there's evidence there that he's actually done it, and it was stem cells that began to mutate, waiting for the right instructions, the right instructions to begin to uh, make the proper uh, cells to support growth. Wow. That is so wonderful. You know, we're almost out of time, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, of course, we want everybody to, to read this book because they're going to get such great insight into being this or to have this elevated state of being. I, I think this is so important. So we want people to go to... Uh, your website to get you are the placebo making your mind matter great and to get to your site they just go to dr joe dispenza.com that's dr joe dispenza.com and um, they can find locations and they can purchase this book i highly recommend it and um I just can't say enough wonderful things about Dr. Joe. He is such a blessing to this world. What would we do without you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope I'm contributing in some way. Oh, you are. It's just wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe, for coming on our show today. Thank you, honey. And keep doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't that a wonderful show? Really thought-provoking, isn't it? It's amazing, the power of our mind. Please don't forget how incredibly magnificent you are, how powerful you are. Don't let anybody say anything different. You know the truth. And that's what you came here right now on this planet right now to learn. You are powerful And you are the only one that can create your reality. Wow. So I look forward to talking with you again next week. 
Have a great one. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.